When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Then I would I would dream about not not owing anybody. Like only have only having to pay the monthly bills. Monthly bills being if I only had to pay rent. If I only had to put gas in my car. If I didn't have a car payment. I would dream about that and how much extra money that I would have in my bank account that I could do other things with, that I could leave a legacy with, that I could actually change my life with. So in Richmond, there's this long street called Broad Street. And as I was dealing with this unhappiness, I used to take drives in my Toyota Tercel down down Broad Street, it's a real long street. I would use that to think. During that drive, I would play the CD by a little brother, and it was called, it's called Get Back. And on that CD, I just recognized it today when I went back to look for it. The name of the song is actually called Dream. Fonte has a line in that song on his verse that says, do you really want to win or just look good losing? And that, it's almost like at that point, I made the paradigm shift of my life and recognized that I was just looking good losing. Had a nice car. I had an apartment. I was going out every weekend. I was spending money. I had a girlfriend. We were doing small little weekend trips. From the outside in, I was living good when really $62,000 in debt, I was overweight, I wasn't happy with my job, life wasn't really going the way that I felt it should be. So, like I said, that, that day, my life, or that, listening to that song on that drive and just thinking, I was like, I have to turn my life around. I'm responsible for it, I have to turn my life around. for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? So tonight we will be hearing from um, one of the original tribe members, Duran, is going to talk with us a little bit about his journey. Duran? Hey, hey everybody. I hope everybody's doing well tonight. Uh, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for allowing me to share my story with everybody on, on the trap call tonight. I hope you can gain some nuggets of knowledge from it. You can take it back to your life and apply it to your life and use it successfully. All right. And um, I want to start the call off or my portion of the call off with a, uh, I want to say thanks to Jerome. Like I was one of the original tribe members. I might've been like part of the actual experiment or the recognition that there was something there that Jerome could actually help coach. He was pretty much well woven into my 
fabric of uh, my success story. Just want to say thanks, Jerome, for providing the guidance, asking those tough questions, which I mostly appreciate. <laughs> asking those tough questions that need those tough answers to provoke thought and, and ask that you keep those coming throughout my life. And just want to say thanks for being a friend. I'm a little nasal. I'm getting a little, got a little cold going on, but I want, I want to keep this real informal. So if you have any questions while I'm talking, please just hop in, ask any questions while I'm going on, while I'm going through this. I'm going to try to keep this brief and short so we can ask a lot of questions at the end, do a little back and forth. My story, I was, I was breaking it down and I was looking at it on a little sheet here. My story had a couple of defining moments in my life. And the defining moments was consist of a self-awareness moment, knowing my why, exhibiting patience, vulnerability, taking risk, and uh, exhibiting discipline, which is pretty much sums up my story. So if you want to write down a few keys, that, that's a few keys that help me get to this point. Self-awareness, knowing my why, patience, vulnerability, taking risk, and discipline. And to start off my story, I'll start with knowing my why. And this is, this is pretty much prevalent throughout, all, throughout my entire story, why I do what I do. And the reason I do what I do is because I didn't want to grow up in the same situation, or I didn't want to have the same situation that my parents had when they were raising me. So my parents, both of them always worked two jobs. We never, we never struggled, so it wasn't like we were a poor household. We were middle class, uh, middle class household. But we never, uh, never did a family vacation, never, never had like a lot of super success outside of living paycheck to paycheck. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't like a super struggle. It's not a sad story. It's not, it's not a good time story or anything like that. We were just a real middle class family, but my parents worked two jobs and they worked a lot. Worked a lot to the point where I didn't recognize that I didn't see my dad a lot until I was like the age of 11. And then my mom was working two jobs as I was in high school and stuff like that. So, so knowing my why is wanting to provide a stronger financial household than my parents actually had. And probably the biggest one that I have right now is leaving a legacy of generational wealth onto the, the next generation of Chandlers or people that I'm able to touch. I'll start this story off out in college, as you've probably seen on Instagram or Facebook, have you seen, from my mom's couch to uh, venture capitalist. After I graduated college, I didn't have a job, went home. I didn't have much going on. I was still making T-shirts, so for those that know me, I was uh, making T-shirts in college. I was still making T-shirts at home, so I had, had a little pocket money. I went about two years without a job. Didn't, uh, didn't really accrue any debt or anything at that time. Outside of the, I had roughly $43,000 in student loans, and I wasn't really doing much to pay those off outside of making the student loan payments, the minimum student loan payment. I went, like I said, two years without a job, finally got a job at UPS Freight. Then from, I recognized I wasn't making enough money there. I was working in Central Dispatch. It was a nice management position, but I recognized I wasn't making enough money there. Moved on to North of Grumman. Worked there for nine years, at least five years in the city of, um, in the county of Chester. But I also learned there that I wasn't making enough money either. But let me, let me hit rewind. I, I forgot to bring you some points from college. So I, I want to talk about self-awareness. So I talked about knowing my why, my parents, and leaving the legacy. Self-awareness. So there was this one time in college, I asked my roommate to help me with my homework. And he said he couldn't at that time. And I legit got mad. In that, in that moment of me getting mad, I, I went outside and I thought to myself, why am I mad? Because she can't help me with my homework. It's my homework. That moment of 
me recognizing that I'm mad because somebody couldn't help me with my homework has stuck with me my entire life as a moment of taking full responsibility of what's mine. So from from that point on, from, from that point to now, I, I, I had that burned in my head and I must take responsibility of what's mine. Nobody else mm-hmm. on this planet is going to do for me. All right. So, but so from that point on, I take full responsibility for everything that goes on to my everything that goes on within my life that I can that I can actually control. And then that I graduated college. Well, me and Rome met, met in college. Rome and I used to uh, we used to exchange magazines about financial financial finance and business. Well, we used to sit on the stoop of our, our apartment building and talk about who actually owned the apartment complex and. and how, how that must be nice so to live a life where you're, you're getting all these, I think we're paying three ninety five a month <laughs> from all these people and how that could set up their life. And we used to stage Fortune magazines and Black Enterprise magazines. I always was interested in being uh, financially free, but like I said, I got that a lot from watching how my parents grew up and wanting to grow and wanting to do something different and uh, also wanting to leave a legacy. Came home from school, like I said, didn't have a job. Finally got a job after two years was working, and I used to um, finally was at my parents' house. I started buying things I shouldn't, shouldn't have. I had a four-wheeler. I bought two pickup trucks. At this point, I did not buy the Cadillac, but I, I bought all this stuff, and I still wasn't paying down my debt. So I had a bunch of project cars around my mom's house. I had an apartment I was paying rent on, and I also had, still had 48000 or $42,000 of student loan debt. I rolled in that into, I uh, started gaining weight. I uh, started, started living what I thought was a happy life. I was going out every weekend, drinking, partying, uh, getting up, go to work Monday, do it all over again. Wasn't getting, wasn't getting out of debt, steady, steadily gaining weight. If you know me, I'm a small frame guy. I got up to like 225, which is not good for a 5'8 man unless he's all muscle. But I, was, <laughs> I got pretty heavy. And then <laughs> my wife's in the background coming back. And then one day I realized that I was unhappy. I wasn't happy with the way, way work was going. I was happy with paying bills the way I was paying the bills. I was happy with the weight gain. And just just so happened around this time, I Rome and I started talking back fairly frequently. So we were talking back and forth, and I had a long call with him one day after work about reaching happiness, searching for happiness and things of that nature. And that was another defining moment because that call helped me recognize once again, that I had to take responsibility for the things that's going on in my life and that the search for happiness was also going to be a tough one. I definitely appreciate Mom for having that conversation with From there, we didn't, I think that call took place in 2010. If I can keep a, try to, try to give you a timeline to try to keep 2010, 2011, somewhere in that time frame. And by then, I had bought another car. So at that point, I had my pride and joy, my Cadillac CTSV. So that would take my grand total of, of debt up to $62,000, including the student loans. Then I would, I would dream about not, not owing anybody, like only, have, only having to pay the monthly bills, monthly bills being if I only had to pay rent, if I only had to put gas in my car, if I didn't have a car payment. I would dream about that and how much extra money that I would have in my bank account that I could do other things with, that I could leave a legacy with, that I could actually change my life with. So in Richmond, there's this long street called Broad Street. And as I was dealing with this unhappiness, I used to take drives in my Toyota Tercel down down Broad Street. It's a real long street. I would, I would use that to think. During that drive, I would play the CD by a little brother, and it was called, it was called Get Back. 
And on that CD, I just recognized it today when I went back to look for it, the name of the song is actually called Dream. Fonte had a line in that song on his verse that says, do you really want to win or just look good losing? And that, it's almost like at that point, I made the paradigm shift of my life and recognized that I was just looking good losing. Had a nice car, I had an apartment, I was going out every weekend, I was spending money, I had a girlfriend, we were doing small little weekend trips. From the outside in, I was living good. When really, $62,000 of debt, I was overweight, I wasn't happy with my job, life wasn't really going the way that I felt it should be. So, like I said, that, that day, my life, or that, listening to that song on that drive and just thinking, I was like, I have to turn my life around. I'm responsible for it. I have to turn my life around. And, and also the talk with Rome, and that, that has to do with being vulnerable. Vulnerability helped me out by just opening up to somebody, talking to them about what I was going through or what I, what, what I had going on, exposed me to things I could do. And that also allowed me to actually share my finances with them. Now, this is, this is fast-forwarding all the way up till 2014. In 2014, I got a new job. I had moved to Maryland because I recognized that I needed to up my income. So I moved to Washington, D.C. with my, with my wife. I, uh, well, at that time, girlfriend. We moved to D.C. I, um, I had moved to Washington, D.C. with my wife, like I said, at that time, girlfriend. And we had, a, we had a nice little apartment. And one day I sent Rome over, I sent Rome over my finances. And this is being very vulnerable because I know most people don't like to share their actual numbers of what they're making with people. But uh, I tend not to care about being judged. I recognize that we're all human and people are going to judge you anyway, so I don't really care. So I sent him over to Rome and we talked about it. And Rome, I never forget, he said, bro, you got a whole lot of extra money in your bank, <laughs> in this check. And then we talked about what that was. And uh, I started making concessions. I started cutting out stuff that, that wasn't necessary. And I, I looked up that day, Jerome, and I, we talked about that on September 9th of 2014. On November, in no, what, November of 2014, I sold my Cadillac. Yeah, that, that, that was... I didn't recognize it was that close to today, but that, that, that time frame was that close. I had no plans to actually sell the Cadillac. I had actually paid it off in, the t- in a very short time frame. I had no plans to actually sell it, but I recognized that I could sell it for the same amount of money that I paid for it. So I sold the Cadillac, took that money, and put it towards my student loan. So if you think about that, that knocked at the time, that knocked $20,000 off of my student loan. So... You take $20,000 at that time, probably $40,000 left. That means I only had $20,000 to deal with with my, with my student loan, which, which was great, which was great. And, and in that time frame, like I said, I had moved to Maryland. I had increased my income by 21%. So I was throwing extra money on the loans that way. So the car, extra money going on the loans that way. A girlfriend and I at the time decided, you know what? We didn't like Maryland. Let's make a move. So we moved to Virginia where we cut our expenses again, saved $400. And I know you're thinking, how do you move from Maryland to Northern Virginia and save money? I don't know how we did it. We probably couldn't catch that deal ever again in our life. But it, it, it was a deal for a nice apartment, and we're actually still living in that apartment till this day. And, and it's funny, our, our expenses still haven't gotten to the point that we were paying in Maryland till this day, which is awesome. But I saved money there. Every time I would cut to save money, I would not spend the money that I was saving. The money that I was saving would automatically go to debt payment, immediately paying off the debt. 
Roman, I talked about when I showed my financials, we talked about debt snowball and paying off the student loans as fast as possible. I, I, was able, I was able to do that to get the ball rolling, so all the extra money was going towards paying off these student loans. I also had a little money saved on the side, so I, I think at the time I had about $5,000 saved just, just set aside for emergencies or, you know, life happens, you need to have a little cash set aside. So I also had that. So if you're trying to put together the story of things I had going on, had, I had extra money to pay off the student loans, and I also set aside probably about, like I said, $5,000 just to set that aside for, for life and things happening. From there, I got a part-time job. So I sold the Cadillac in November of 2014. I also got a part-time job at Bose in uh, November of 2014. So at this point, I'm working two jobs. I'm working probably upwards of 70 hours a week if we're going between two jobs, probably somewhere in the 80s, actually between two jobs, but the money from my actual part-time job, I wasn't even seeing. It was going directly to paying off my student loan. So at this point, I had laser-like focus on getting the student loans paid off. In this time frame, I did do a few things with the wife. We went on a cruise, I believe, before the loans were paid off, some small weekend trips. I'm a firm believer that you can pretty much budget everything. You can budget people's birthdays, you can budget your car insurance, you can budget your groceries, you can budget gas. Very firm believer that if you sit down and take a hard look at your money, you can pretty much budget everything and figure out where your money needs to go. So I still wanted to live life while I was doing this laser-like focus, but I wasn't taking many trips. Like I said, it was small weekend trips. We might have just went to uh, Ocean City, Maryland. But the biggest trip we did take, we did take a little five-day cruise. By November 2015, student loans were actually paid off. I still have that letter. I'm thinking about getting it framed, saying that your loan account is paid in full. That's, that's, something that, that's a very good feeling when you get that in because then now all the extra money that you have from cutting your expenses, getting the part-time job, you now have at your disposal to do what you want. So instead of me uh, going out shopping, I did buy a few things. I bought a pair of sneakers uh, to celebrate that I paid off my student loan. I couldn't show you which ones they were now because I probably don't even wear them. But uh, I did buy myself one pair of sneakers to celebrate that moment, which, which was. Um, then from there, we, we, we continued. My wife and I, we finally got married. Well, that, that was a year ago. I think I'm skipping some stuff here. Uh, let me leave out, let me fill in some details of what I actually had in my apartment because <laughs> I rolled reminded me the last call that I didn't talk about that. When I moved to Maryland, if you came to my apartment, you'd have been like, well, why is this guy living like a broke college? I had one chair. I had a TV on a nightstand. I had a full-size bed where she slept and I slept on the floor. I had a small 27, like I said, it was a 27-inch TV on a nightstand, and I had my computer stuff that I used to make T-shirts. That was it, and my bike. I, 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 had, I had my Trek bike that I use, I still ride every once in a while now. I got a new bike now, thank God. But that's the only thing I had. So I cut my, I really cut my life down to bare minimum things that I need. We didn't have cable. We had internet. I would watch TV through a friend's passwords, watch Netflix through a friend like most people did. Anything that you would look at as, as an expense of, of having, of, of living life, I probably looked at it as, you know what, that's a luxury. I could do it out of it. Food, as long as I had food and somewhere to sleep. Like I said, I slept on the floor. My wife slept in it was a full-size bed. Two adults are not made to sleep in a full-size bed. It's kind of tough. But we, 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 we did that for a while. I was sleeping in the bed occasionally, but uh, I slept on the floor for most, for most of that four, three to four-year time frame. 
like I said, we really cut everything down to a bare minimum. I'm still driving the Tercel till this day. All while I was doing all this cutting, I was still investing in my company's 401k. I wasn't. I was always trying to make sure that I maxed out the match because I don't like missing free money. So I, I was able to do that. Started a new company in 2016, which then raised my income another 18%. So at that time, I pretty much baselined my life off what I was making when I first moved to Maryland. And after cutting the expenses, I didn't raise my, my living expenses at all. So all the extra money that I get from raises and things of that nature, I don't spend. It gets allocated to either investing or saving. So till this day, it's still the same thing. It's either allocated to investing or saving. I got married last year. We had a very small wedding. When I say very small, I mean like 17 people. I probably could have had a big wedding, but I didn't want to pay for it because right now we are currently working on my wife's student loan. That's it's about $30,000, $35,000 that we're, we're working to pay off. One thing that I wish I would have thought about back then, I probably would not have bought her a ring. I, the money that I spent on a ring, I would have gave her to put on a student loan. Uh, so we can get so we can get out of debt since we're a team now. We can get out of debt a lot faster. That would have that would have probably been my only thing that I would have changed in this. And throughout this, I like I said, I was always investing in my 401k, so I have a nice hefty 401k and other investments through. I don't know if you want to call Deshaun. Deshaun is my financial advisor. I have investments through him as well. And right now, I have a portfolio of about uh, well, I'm part of a portfolio of about three million dollars in real estate investment. How and much? I did all the <laughs> it's about three million. It's about three million dollars in real estate. And uh I, I did all I did all this and I just I just noticed the other day because I actually looked at my taxes. I never made over a hundred thousand dollars a year. So for everybody that thinks you gotta make all this kind of money to do this, I've never made over a hundred thousand dollars a year. And I was able to pay off all this. You gotta be willing to live within your means and live well below your means. <laughs> To, to get to a point where you can you can you can free yourself financially might be a little uncomfortable in the, in the beginning, but a little uncomfortable now you can live a little live a little nicer later. But for me, it's all about leaving a legacy. I'm trying to get to the point in my life where I can give away as close to half a million dollars a year in charitable donations and things of that nature to other people to better their lives. So that that's one of my driving goals. I, I don't, Rome. I don't know if you remember that day we were in the car. We were talking. We were cutting through DC. We ran to the Rentec guy, and I said, "I want to give away. Uh, I want to give away a half a million dollars." I've been working on that ever since. So that's pretty much where I'm at right now. That's pretty much it, man. I, I've been like I said, nice real estate portfolio, close to a hundred thousand dollars in stocks and bonds and other kind of investments and things of that nature. And like I said, I never made over a hundred thousand dollars. So it's not hard. Just gotta, just gotta grind. I'll never forget that day. We're in the GTR. Yeah. We're yeah. in downtown DC. That was, that was a good day. We're asking this business owner what he does, and he breaks it down for us, car to car. It's just, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. My face hurts. I've been smiling so hard, man. Um, tell me about the giving away half a million dollars a year. How, how does one become interested in such a generous goal? You might recognize this, but I don't know if a lot of people do. Every time you, you, you talk to me about something or you ask me something, I always end up with, I'm here to help. That's almost like my life mission, and I didn't realize it. I'm here to help. And half a million dollars a year actually started off with me just trying to help out my family. So if I pass away, they would have a half a million dollars to, to uh, take care of everything. 
well, I've well exceeded that goal. I passed away, my family is doing well. But now I'm like, I can help out other people. There's, there's plenty of people in my life that I would love to help out and, 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 see, and see grow and use the monetary values that I can to help better their lives. So uh, half a million dollars really got there because that means I would be making a substantial amount of money where I'm living good. I'm living well. Everybody that's close to me is happy or should be financially in a good situation. And half a million dollars would not bother me to give away. So it started, it started with family, and then it just grew to everybody else. Why are you still driving a 19... 1996 Toyota Tercel? Because a car payment is not going to get me closer to my goal, at least not right now. Now, it's, I'm not going to lie, it is hard. It is hard to get in that car sometimes. It is, it is, it is, it is like I, I've literally had physical reactions sometimes when I pulled up. Remember one time my wife was dropping me off at my car, and I had a physical reaction of not wanting to get in that car. But I recognize... Me having a car payment right now is never going to get me close to my goal, at least not right now. Will I buy a new car? We, we, uh, we've been blessed to have a child on the way, so I will have to. I'll be forced to get a new car, but for as long as I can, I will go with driving that car because it's paid for. It's very cheap maintenance. I, spend, I probably spend less than $1,000 on that car a year uh, outside of gas, less than, less, less than $1,000 on that car, and it gets me from point A to point B. So... Whenever I have what I call weak moments where I don't want to get in the car or I start looking to buy a car seriously, I always think about, always think about somebody going to the Oscars or somebody going to the Emmys. They're going to the actual awards ceremony to get to the awards. So whether they got there in a taxi or whether they got there in the baddest limo ever, they're still only going to the Oscar Emmy. So how I, how I get there doesn't really matter. Tercel, doing the job right now, just fine. So when will you decide that enough is enough? For driving the turnstile? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It, it will, it will, I think it will have to be a time where, like I said, we have a kid on the way and I can't, and my wife's gone with the car that actually accommodates a baby seat just fine. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you know what, I'm going to have to buy it. it, it it's it's, it's going to take some, like, a sticky situation for me to be like, you know what, I need to go. But in the future plans, I was going to talk about this at the end, in the future plans, it's looking like we may be moving back to Richmond to save money and pay off the student loans faster. Moving back to Richmond so we could be closer for, uh, for child care reasons because we can utilize family uh, for everybody that's paying child care. I know they know how much child care is. So um, <laughs> we, we looked at it and we recognized that paying for child care and paying off student loans is probably not going to happen in a timely manner. So that's on the table for us right now. So if we move back to Richmond, I will still be able to utilize my wife's parents' cars and my parents' cars and things of that nature. So Tercel might still be around for a while while, uh, while we're paying off student loans and probably getting a little deeper into the uh, real estate investment. Okay. This sounds like an addiction. I know you – have you ever seen Everybody Hates Chris? Yeah. Yeah. You remind me of I, the dad right now. Who's <laughs> walking around up all the costs. <laughs> Yes, I feel like you have to be that way until you get to a certain point. Oh my goodness! If, if, you, if, if you're really trying to get the financial freedom, you you can't waste pennies on certain stuff. Now, have uh, I'm human, so I I have uh, vices and addictions. If you come to my house, I probably have like a hundred bobblehead dolls known as Funkos. Those are about eight dollars a piece. You do the math. But I, I'm I'm not out here like not living life. 
It's just that it's, it's, it's calculated. It's calculated. I'm not going to spend money on something that's either not bringing me direct happiness to have or not moving me forward towards my goal. I recently bought a bike this, this year, and if you know anything about road bikes and things of that nature, you know that they're, they're not cheap. I saved up for about two years so I could actually purchase this bike and get it. And I, I got tired of my friends leaving me on group rides, so I got a bike. <laughs> I call it selective extravagance. Very, very selective, very selective. Deron, this is, a, this is Howard. I really feel encouraged that you said, like, you chose not to buy a new car, even though you probably could buy a new car if you want to, because it's like, I'd be like, do I want to go buy a new truck? I'm like, nah, that's not going get me where I want to be in the short term or long term. Right. And so I appreciate hearing your story on that. You're welcome. Uh, th- thanks for chiming in. It, it, it's definitely tough. Like I said, I, I want a new one bad. But looking at my goals, looking at the goals. <laughs> Howard, that's, that's the same truck from shit. college, right? You said what? Again. I said, Howard, that's the same truck from college. I actually got another truck from col- since college, but, I mean, I, I bought a truck for my brother, so I would have to buy a new truck. But it's like an 03, and I was like, I'll wait till I can kill the truck, pay for itself, or I go speaking to her, or somebody pay for it. Have you found happiness yet? I think that's a continuous journey, and I am, I, I'm very happy at, at where I'm at right now. In love with my wife, about to have a kid, which is, like, super exciting and scary at the same time. I, I like where my job is at right now, which is good. But let's not get it twisted. I'm always looking to leave nine to five for nine to five life. I, I don't want to get that. Uh, I don't want to get that twisted by anyone. I'm not looking to stay in corporate forever. I happiness is a journey, and I'm on it. And that, that's probably something that I recognized as I was walking down this path. You want to talk about the food deserts and your passion on nutrition? I haven't really fleshed this all out yet, but my father has diabetes, and I've watched it um, tear kind of tear his body apart. Right, and I watch other family members where diabetes kind of tears tear them tear them apart, health health wise, and that's one of the reasons why I, if you know me, I eat I eat a certain way and I try to work out and run a lot, things of that nature. But I also recognize if you're driving through the hood or if you if you're driving through certain areas, you notice that there are no healthy places to eat, no grocery stores, not even like a Panera, you know what I'm saying, like something where if somebody can buy decent food, healthy food, vegetables, something that's not in the box. It's either corner stores or, like, Fast Marts or McDonald's, Taco Bell, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I recognize how food directly affects your thinking, your mood, and how, how you function and how it does a community and a family. And I'm very interested in providing a solution to actual food deserts where people can – Go somewhere and get healthy food, and you can teach people how to prepare healthy food and how to store healthy food. A lot of people that are living in those areas probably go to work and don't have time to, like, cook every night. So you can teach people how to food prep and things of that nature so that the kids in the future, this is the legacy stuff, the kids in the future can have food so they won't be hungry and they can go to school and feel a little bit better about themselves and learn a little bit easier. I don't know if you've ever been hungry before, like hungry, hungry. It's hard to think. It's hard to concentrate. It's, it's, it's hard to do stuff when hunger's there. So that, that is one of, my, one of my passions that I'm looking to take up and figure out, working, working, on, these, working on these food. Right so why are you still working at Blue's 
I mean, you did the you did the safety or the emergency fund. You did all your debt. You invest. Uh, in. Why are you still working at Bose? I actually like the staff there, which is I actually went there to quit one day, and the manager was like, you know what, just stay on one day a week. <laughs> and one day a week turned to like two days, and that turned to three days, and then I was back to work on regular schedule. But uh, I so I, I like the staff there, which is one reason I, I actually decided to stay. But another reason is I could. The money now is being used to invest and being used to pay off, help pay off my wife's student loans. So the money now is being used to go deeper and deeper into investment. You can't create generational wealth without making a sacrifice. It's times where I do not want to go into both. And uh, I, I let my wife know all the time, I, I really don't feel like going in there today. It's, especially if I had a long day at my full-time job as a project manager at Cisco, I've dealt with customer issues all day there. I don't want to really go in there and talk to somebody about uh, about headphones. But to give away to give away half a million dollars a year, to leave a legacy behind, to continue to invest and to grow, I got to make some sacrifice. I got I got to suck it up every once in a while and just go in there and, and earn and continue to sell my time for money. So I continue to do so. It's not easy. It's not fun. But like I said, a lot of this is. Most the majority of this is focused on the end goal of getting to the point where I can give away half a million dollars a year. I can leave a legacy for uh, for my family to live well off of. So yeah, I I still work there. And, and, and one of my close friends said this one time: "Ain't nobody ever said they had too much money." I, I had a friend ask me one day, "Why do you still work there?" And that friend replied to that friend and said, "Ain't nobody ever said they had too much money." So <laughs> so yeah, I. I'm utilizing the cash that I'm making now in other ways, mostly in that, which is good. What up? This is Thaddeus. I got in a little bit late, y'all. What do you say your biggest weakness is? Biggest weakness? Not communicating fully what I'm doing. I, I can could, I could do that sometimes. Sometimes I, w- I will know what I'm doing, but I won't communicate it directly to somebody that it directly affects, which, mm-hmm. which when, ha- when having a wife, when having business partners and things of that nature, it, it it comes into play. That definitely comes into play. So, but like I I'll I'll either feel like I know what I'm doing or I'll know where I'm going, but I don't communicate that effectively to to the next person. That that definitely hurts. Being disciplined to a fault. I've uh, I've been I've been accused of that. Being so focused. This is one that I tend to get in this household. Is that when I set a goal, pretty much nothing's going to get in my way. My wife told me that she's like, "Yeah, I know. Once you get your mind on it, like you're not, you're not going to stop until you actually uh, got it done or, or figured it out to the point where you can let it go." So um, that stuff can actually, that stuff can actually turn into weaknesses, not not play to your favor. Gotcha. Yeah, I also joined a bit late and I may have missed it, but uh, can you share um, real quickly if you had shared before the areas that you are investing in? So right now, um, I'm deep into the real estate. I'm, like I said, about $3 million. Uh, I'm invested in the group. That's about $3 million into real estate. Uh, other than that, I have, um, I have stocks. I have a lot of stock in my old company, which was uh, North of Grumman. A lot of stock, uh, close to $40,000 worth. Uh, I also have like a, large, a large cap fund. I have 401Ks from jobs and things of that nature that I'm definitely um, reaching the employer max at which are large-cap fund, mid-cap fund, Vanguard, and I cannot think of the last one. If you want to like, name of the indexes that I, I invested in, I tend to grow well. Real estate is the biggest one, right? 
What kind of real estate? Oh, multifamily. Multifamily. Multifamily is the way to go. Apartment buildings, just like we were we were sitting on the stoops of Collegiate Commons for all the Aggies. Uh, we were sitting on the Collegiate Commons thinking about who owns that. We're trying to get to the point where we own that, where, where we can be the people that are collecting the 395 a month to, to leave a legacy behind. So that is, that, is the, that is the focus and the goal right now, multifamily, multifamily, yes, multiple doors. So two years, two years ago, somebody tell you, You'd be sitting where you sit right now. How do you respond to that? I am optimistic, so I'll be like, how? <laughs> how, how? How am I getting there? Please, please, please explain. But uh, no, I, I really might have been like, no way. Because two years ago, I was working at a job that I didn't really like. I may have just paid off my student loans. I, I don't think it would have grew as fast or grew this far as fast, uh, you know, it, it definitely might have been in no way, but I'm a, I'm a naturally optimistic kind of person when it comes to certain things, and I, I would have definitely asked, well, can you please explain me how I got there <laughs> so I can follow those steps? And one of the most rewarding parts of the journey for me in your story was the day you called me and told me that you paid off all of your consumer debt and all that was left was the student loan, and you were like eight months ahead of schedule or something. Yeah. And you told me how long it was going to take to pay the student loan off. And then I think the next time I saw you, the car was gone. And <laughs> I think the amount of time, I think you were saying it was like three years to pay off the student loan. And then it was like, yeah, I'll be done in six months. <laughs> it, it's, it, it, and you know what? That was making the tough decisions. At, at that time, I was emotionally detaching myself away from the car. So I wouldn't drive it a lot. I would toy with, with putting it up for sale to see if I got any bites on, like, cars.com and things of that nature. I, I would try not to think about it. I would, instead of driving that back and forth to Richmond, I would drive the Tercel to Richmond and back. Like I said, I was, I was emotionally detaching myself away from, the, from actually owning the car. I don't know if you can tell from these statements. I'm a car guy for everybody that doesn't know on the call. So... I really enjoy driving. I really enjoy sports cars. That was a very nice sports car that I had. I recognize that if I wanted to get there in a timely manner, if I wanted to get to where this financial freedom in a timely manner, I had to, I had to, I have to be able to do this multiple times. So I can't just do this for the car. There's probably come another point in my life where I'll have to let go of something that I like like that, you know what I'm saying, to, to further myself. And this was kind of just like step one. I'll, I'll let this go. I let it go. I do miss it. But, I rec- like I said, I recognize that it was for a bigger game. I think but for, the even for cooler part for me, bro, was it opened up the door for you to take other risks. Like, I don't know that you would have left UPS or left Norfolk Grumman or some of the other stuff that you've done had you not proven to yourself that, you know, you could be successful or you could, you know, set the goal, accomplish the goal, and then start over or, you know, be successful in this space. So just that, that courage to take the risk based on, I guess, previous successful outcomes is, is core. Yeah. And you know what? I, for, I forgot to mention, I, I put taking risks in the beginning down as uh, one, of the, like, one of the key components. During when I, so when I first started investing in real estate, I, I, didn't have, I didn't have a lot of money. And what I would invest was I was investing my safety net. Granted, my safety net was small, but I was, I was 
I would invest it to, to see what happens. Because it was small, I wasn't scared. I wasn't, like, too scared. I, I, could, I could make this back. But it was also my safety net. A lot of people tell you don't invest in safety net. If I hadn't invested my safety net, there's no way I would be here right here, right now where I'm at. I'm not giving any advice for anybody to invest in safety net. <laughs> that, is, that is probably, like, the worst advice uh, uh, a financial advisor would ever give, and I'm not giving it to anybody. The, don't go saying to Ron said invest my safety net because that's not the thing. But I did that at the time because I recognized to get to a certain point or get to the point that I'm trying to reach, I have to take risks. I have to take some risks. And because my safety net at that time was small enough to take a risk with but big enough to also make an investment with, I decided to make that investment. And because I made that investment, I'm able to do the investing that I'm doing now. So that that $5,000 that I was using to invest in real estate back then has turned turned into my share of a $3 million portfolio. You said that, Ben? $3 million portfolio? Yeah, I don't want to say it anymore. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like to think about it. That number's big. I, it, 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 gets me ner- it gets me nervous. I get butterflies. And I don't like to think about it. <laughs> but I think it's going to continue to grow. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's going to grow. It's, it's, I know it's going to grow. It's an amazing team that we're, that's working together, so I know it's going to blossom and be out of this world. And it's probably going to be one of the key components into me being able to give away $500,000 a year. But right now, I still get nervous just thinking about it because the number's so big. If you, had to, um, if you had to think back, I guess, over your life, what, what prepared you this level of discipline? My dad. My dad probably prepared me a lot for this level of discipline, and that was through uh, sports and uh, other, other activities. I, I remember during the uh, during summer vacations and things of that nature, well, my, my dad was a school teacher. He also had his second job where he drove trucks. He would be home during the day because he drove trucks at night. And I was involved in basketball, baseball. I played saxophone, and I also did karate. And this one summer, I distinctly remember, I wasn't going to, like, summer school or in any summer program, and I was kind of just laying around the house, and my dad would, like, make me, he would make me practice any one of those sports or disciplines that I was in. And he would always say, you can't have do-nothing days. And, and that, that's just something that really drove, drove home with me. You can't have do-nothing days. If you're trying to get to a goal and you're trying to get somewhere, you really can't have days where you don't do anything to achieve, that goal, to achieve those goals. So that, that has a lot to do with the actual discipline of, of me, like, staying on task or staying on top of things. I know that I can't have do nothing days if, if I really want to reach that. Also, just just playing the sports, having great great football mentors, great baseball coaches, and things of that nature, like help help drive that home. And as far as financial discipline, it's probably it's it's my it's the household that I that I grew up in. And my parents never talked about finances or anything with us as a kid, um, which I encourage everybody to do. Uh, but I. I recognize that they would have arguments, and their arguments would never be about, it's never about love or it's never really about that. The arguments was always about finance. So I always wanted to get a grip on my finance so that one day when I'm married to that nature, I would never have an argument about finance. To this day, not about wood, we've never had an argument about finance, but that has a lot to go, go back to do with that, and that has a lot to do with the actual discipline of knowing what's going on in your household, knowing the money, knowing who gets paid, and know what you're actually trying to do as a couple. I would chalk it up to discipline to our parents. So if, if I'm getting too personal, you can say, you, know, you can decline and plead fifth, but how, but what do you do when your partner is not as disciplined as you are? 
I try to, I'm patient, which I don't know. I don't know where I got that from. I might've got it from my mom. I might've got it from dad. I'm patient and you should lead by example and you teach. My wife and I have been together. We've only been married for a year, but we've been together for 10 years. She, she's seen this. She, she's seen the, the, the gamut of me going from baller status to driving a turnstile. We've lived together for five of those years. And so she's seen the gamut. She's just paying off her student loans. We, we probably could have squeezed hers in there somewhere, but she's learned the discipline from probably watching it and us talking about it and teach and kind of like doing, doing small teaching moments of you, you can cut money here, you can cut money there. Well, and showing her my actual budget. I'm like, huh, here's a look at my budget, and this is what I do. You know, just be, being, being patient, being patient. If you, you love them, you will be patient. You'll be kind, and you'll kind of nurture them along the way, figuring out what works best for her. Like, what works best for me is cutting a lot of stuff off. Like, you know, I don't need that. I don't need this. I don't need that. She might need a little more than I do, you know what I'm saying, to take care of things. So this is a process of learning what works best for her and kind of nurturing her through that process. So that seemed to be not as difficult a transition as I think some people have where um, one partner may be really good about saving and the other one is spending as fast as they get it. So, Go ahead. No, I was about to say, I got lucky because she's a saver. Like, she's, she's, she wasn't, she's not hard to, she's not hard to teach and, like, she was, she was already very decent with her money. So, for me to pass along tips, was, it wasn't, it wasn't hard. So, I, I definitely got lucky in that aspect of it. So, what would you tell yourself when you were sitting, if you had, if you could go back in time and you could, you were sitting on collegiate common steps, what would you tell yourself? Uh, is, is a way to help get you a little further along than you are right now. Wow. Um, oh, wow. I never thought about this. I probably would tell myself, get a budget as soon as you got to college. Budget every single penny. Look, look at your loans, your student loans, as something that you can actually pay off and you can get rid of. Keep a roommate. So everybody knows how to use Excel, I would assume. Get an Excel budget. It's, it's, not, it's not hard to keep a budget. Track your money. Get a roommate to cut expenses. Surround yourself by like-minded people or people that are really going for something to achieve these goals. All this stuff sounds cliche. You probably heard it on a YouTube video or some motivational speech, but these things actually work. <laughs> and, okay. and delay, I, I, I didn't need the Cadillac. I didn't need the truck. I didn't need the four-wheeler. I didn't need all those things. Okay. Thank you. I mean, you made me think about something, so I appreciate that. No problem. Looking at my notes here. Now, some of the stuff that I have down here is crazy. The Sally May loans is at 14.79%. What was I doing? That, was, that mess was just out of this world. Glad I paid that off early. If I had not paid that off early, I would have paid them people $24,000. And that would have been an extra $12,000 in interest. Pay off them student loans, man. <laughs> people taking it. What's your one takeaway? What's, what's the takeaway thought for tonight, man? You, you are responsible. This goes, back, this goes back to that moment when BJ told me he couldn't help me with my homework. And I got mad, and I had to, and I had to sit down and self-evaluate. I am responsible for things that go on in my life. I can't blame anybody else. I can't look at anybody else. I can't, I can't blame my upbringing when I know better now. You have to take responsible for your life. It is, it is yours. You own it, and you must own it. If you don't, somebody else will own it for you. You got to grab the bull by the horns, man. Well, thank you. I'm Deron. 
for sharing again. Um, we're gonna... if, if anybody has any questions, you can reach out. You can get my uh, email information, even my phone information if you want to talk about some things. I'm always an open ear. I'm no financial advisor. I can help you budget, <laughs> but I can't tell you where to invest your money. Like I said, I'm no financial advisor. I would defer you to Deshaun Chapman, <laughs> one of the tribe members. But um, I'm here to help, man. I'm here to help. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you again, Deron. And for those of you who asked questions tonight, we uh, we thank you. Um, and if this concludes all the questions, I want to wrap up by saying if you like what you heard tonight and you want to learn more about Dreamcatchers, please visit our website at dreamshouldbereal.com. If you can think of someone who would benefit from these types of opportunities and are willing to share what we are doing with them, we would really appreciate it. Also, before we go, I heard Howard on the call. I just want to give a shout-out to Howard. If you guys have not been following him, he has a YouTube uh, uh, PBS show, Nurse. Um, please, if you get a chance, um, go out and check him out. And uh, he's got some really good stuff up there. So thank you guys for um, participating tonight. It was a really, really good call, a lot of good questions. So we look forward to seeing you guys in a couple of weeks. Get it how you live, and that's just what I did. You know I hustle all day and all night, boy. You know I hustle all day and all night, boy.